Welcome to The Porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, red-letter basics, by examining the Word of God, and especially the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. The Porch Online Bible Study was created to take a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God so that we can replicate it. Our desire has always been to restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you believe that and you know that there's more to your relationship with the Lord, then you're welcome to join us on this journey. If you have any questions, visit firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you do, go to firefalltalkradio.com for ways to do so. If you look at the bottom of the homepage, you'll see ways that you can support us. If you have any questions, just write us and we'll answer your questions. We appreciate the support and encouragement that we get. And if you have any prayer needs or anything, please let us know. And welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you listen, as well as on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. You are an awesome God. You're an awesome dad, and we love you. So we ask, as we boldly approach your throne of grace and mercy, saying, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, we ask to know you more, to know you better, to have a better relationship with you, to walk in the fullness of that relationship until one day we will have what Adam had the intimacy, and the ability to walk with you in the cool of the evening. We thank you for sending back Yeshua, your only son, to pay our debts, to do what we would never have been able to do so that we could be reconciled to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb, the upper room, and everything that you have done for us. We can never repay you but we're going to try by loving you and worshiping you and, and just telling others about you. Thank you for sending back your Holy Spirit to guide us, to walk with us, to teach us, to do everything we need to do to further the kingdom. Now we praise you. We thank you for all that we have, our homes, families, pets, possessions, everything you've given us, all the technology in this studio, our ability to come together all around the world through digital technology. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever you want to do. We pray protection over us, all that we have over this technology. And Lord, we just want to glorify you, magnify you, be able to be empowered to walk in this world and tell others about you. We ask all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen.
lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Okay, open your Bibles, get ready. Um, maybe a little distracted tonight. I am going back to recording the Bible study so that I could either put up the entire Bible study in the porch um, private Vimeo group and be able to put them on YouTube or put up sections of it. We'll see how that goes. I'm a little out of practice already. We're done with talking about the fruit of the Spirit, excuse me. But now let's do something with it. Let's take what we've learned and apply it. We're going to enter into a uh, season, I don't want to call it a series, a season where we're going to talk about walking in authority, being who we're supposed to be, and overcoming the world. That's what we're talking about tonight. Go with me to John chapter 16, starting verse 7. This is Yeshua speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, as if he could tell us anything else. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take up mine and declare it to you. Let's jump down to verse 33. These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the world you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world, says the Lord. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. He overcame the world and the God of this world. And the conquest is accomplished, and the victory is abiding, permanent residence. It's not going anywhere. And the Holy Spirit was sent to complete the transaction to complete what he did. And it had several purposes to both the church and the world, including pointing out sin and allowing people to understand the truth. The Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh, gives glory to the Lord, gives glory to Yeshua and no one else. And that should be our goal as well. And the Spirit seals you 
and that verb sealed brings a variety of images to mind. You protect a letter by sealing the envelope. To keep air out of a jar, you seal its mouth with a rubber-ringed lid. To seal a bottle of wine, they use a cork and a seal to protect it from spoiling. To seal a deal, you might sign a contract or notarize a signature. Sealing declares ownership and secures the contents. And the seal of the Holy Spirit cannot be broken. When you accepted Messiah, God sealed you with the Spirit. When you believed, you were marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That's from Ephesians 1.13. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation, and as a result believed in Him, you were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Messiah, as owned and protected by God. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please Him, by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own, for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. That's the only brand that matters. His brand. You were sealed, but do not grieve the Spirit but seek to please Him. See, anything that grieves the Holy Spirit endangers you. It won't cost us our salvation, but it will give the enemy access to us. And I know that there is some out there, I read a commentary today that I had to delete, because it said, once you're sealed, the enemy can't touch you. Well, after three decades plus of ministry... I can tell you that there are a lot of people that the enemy has had access to that are born-again believers. Now, why is that? Well, there's an answer for that, because we have put ourselves at risk. And that's what tonight's lesson's really all about. The other day while I was praying, the Lord spoke to me, and the scripture came into mind out of James 4. So let's go to James chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 4. And I'm going to read you, starting with the New Living Translation and then the Amplified. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close, draw near to God and he will come close and draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. You double-minded, your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. 
Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. For me, that last scripture, before I read the next version here, I've always seen myself getting on one knee and kneeling before the Lord with my head down in submission. And he reaches down with his hand to take mine and stand me upright before him. You, talking to the church, James is talking to the church in Jerusalem. You're like unfaithful wives having illicit love affairs with the world and breaking your marriage vow to God. Do you not know that being the world's friend is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world takes his stand as an enemy of God. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Recognize that you're sinners. Get your soiled hands clean. Realize that you've been disloyal, wavering individuals with divided interest. Pure your hearts. Purify your hearts of your spiritual adultery. As you draw near to God, be deeply penitent and grieve. Even weep over your disloyalty. Let your laughter be turned to grief and your mirth to dejection and heartfelt shame for your sins. Humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your lives significant. Folks, he's talking to the church here. He's not speaking to the world. Divided loyalty, having an adulterous relationship with the world, opens doors in our lives. So here's the formula for victory. Here's the formula for overcoming. Submit to God. That's the first thing you have to do. Draw near to God. Cleanse and purify yourselves. Be repentant from the conviction of the Holy Spirit the humility to admit our failures, to kneel before him, and he will offer his hand to stand us up. That's when the devil flees. Everybody wants to leave that part of the scripture out. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The devil just doesn't automatically flee from you if there are open doors in your life. Bowing the knee symbolizes the submitting of our strength to God's control. To all who believe and submit to its demands, the promises of the gospel include forgiveness of sins, a new life in Yeshua, and adoption into the family of God. But submission is the key to that formula and to relationship. We're living in a time where the seduction and the seducing spirits are rampant, not just in the world, but in the church. And spiritual adultery is a major sin in the church. It's part of the reason why the body's being afflicted the way it is. But submit to him. Whatever area of your life that you've not given up control, let it go. 
Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Psalm 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in a land of uprightness. What is it we say in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6.10 Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no rebellion in heaven. The rebels were kicked out. There's no sin in heaven. There's no disloyalty in heaven. There's no sickness. There's no lack. That's what I want here on earth for us. Draw near to God. Don't draw near to the world. The world wants to be your friend. The world wants you to tone things down. Be more relatable. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What that means is if you love the world, you don't love the Father. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. First John 2, verses 15 through 17. First Peter 5, 6 through 11. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time by casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, Hasatan, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory, by Messiah Yeshua, after you have suffered a while, perfect Establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is not our home. And until the Lord comes back, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a war. But he has made us promises in his covenant relationship with us. One of them is in Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. And because of that, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, on him I lean and rely in him, confidently trust. Where does that take place? From a distance? No. In the secret place, under the shadow of his wings, right up next to him. The person who trusts in God lives close to him. 
But you can't do that if you're in a relationship with the world. You can't do that if you're running around with the world. You can't do that if there's sin in your life, rebellion in your life. He'll still love you, but you won't be up under that wing. And the Most High, the El Shaddai, the Almighty, that's your Abba Father. Majestic, powerful, mighty fortress is he. A secure fortress. To dwell close to God, Yeshab in the Hebrew, is to sit down, to remain, to settle in the sense of taking up homestead or staking out a claim, resisting all claim jumpers. To possess a place and to live therein means you're not going anywhere. What does the enemy do? They find a way to seduce us out. Hey, hey. There's no fun in there. Come over here. Come out here. There's fun out here. There's people out here. There's parties. Oh, you don't you don't have to do any of the bad stuff. Just come hang out with us. No. Psalm 32, verse 7. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 61, verse 4, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. That's how you overcome the world. You overcome the world by not being in the world. You can be in the world. Let me rephrase that. You can be in the world, but you can't be of the world. But you can't be out there doing worldly things. You can't be hanging out with people and doing the things they do. Jesus didn't hang out with sinners to party with them. He went there to love them and convict them by his very presence. Four things God is to those in the secret place, hiding under his shadow. He's a refuge and a hiding place. He's a fortress or a place of protection. God, a true and faithful God. He's a trust and a place of security. Is that where you are? Are you in a place of security? Or do you think he'll reject you? Do you think you don't belong to be in his shadow? The other thing about cleansing and purification, sanctification. Which means is sanctification, remember, salvation instantaneous. Sanctification is a lifetime process. A process of being made holy, resulting in a changed lifestyle for the believer. The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says sanctification. It comes from the Latin word sanctificatio, meaning the act or process of making holy, consecrated. Sanctification is vitally linked to the salvation experience and is concerned with moral, spiritual obligations assumed in that experience. You assumed moral and spiritual obligations. In the Greek, hagazio, it's the holiness, the consecration, the sanctification. It's to stand in awe of something or someone. Are you in awe of him? 
I am. He's an awesome God. He's awe-inspiring. Oh, yeah, he's my Abba Father, and I have been allowed access to him in the throne room. But I'm always awed by him. How majestic is his name in all the earth. There is none like him. Sanctification, purification. What I'm talking about tonight is a byproduct of your salvation and walking in right relationship with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.13 But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. The work of the Holy Spirit in conversion as sanctification, making the believer holy so that we can enter into his presence. Then there's the aspect of purification. It's the work of the Holy Spirit making us holy so that we have been washed by the blood through the blood of the Lamb and in this new covenant we have been purified. That's what John the Baptist was talking about in Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Sanctification. Fire. Purification. Oh, I know this isn't glamorous. This isn't what you signed up for. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. This is what you signed up for. To be free of the world. To be free of your sins. To be free of your past. To be saved, healed, and delivered. And you can't do that if you keep going back to the world. If You just can't do it. We are entering in, and I believe we're already in it. If you go read First Zephaniah, doesn't didn't really fit the teaching, so I didn't include it. Go read Zephaniah chapter one, and you'll see where we are right now. Scary place to be. Which is why the Spirit of the Lord is crying out for the church to sanctify itself to purify itself, to get clean, to get ready, because you can't engage the enemy if the enemy has ground in you, if the enemy has any ownership in you. 
Hebrews chapter 1, starting verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the Father by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. That's our Lord. That's our Savior. That's who we want to sit with in the heavenly places. You think you can drag the things of the world with you to sit with him? That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, starting verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord, what agreement has Messiah with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be like a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Over and over, John, Peter, James, Paul, speaking to the church about behavior, about purification, about sanctification. So getting back to that scripture, James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humility, that's the next aspect we're going to speak about. Humility is the cure for worldliness. Humility is an attitude of lowliness, in obedience, grounded in the recognition of one's status before God as his creatures, as his sons, as his daughters. Proverbs fifteen thirty three: the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. Isaiah 57, starting verse 15, thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would fail before me in the souls which I have made. Somebody wrote me today and asked me a question. Why is the body under such attack? People, strong, old, learned believers are getting their spiritual butts handed to them. I'm praying about how to answer this without being harsh. 
but whom he loves, he chastises, and we're being chastised. We've become too friendly and familiar with the world. We have worshipped people instead of God. We have put our hope in form and formality and religion, denominations and buildings and celebrities, and we've wandered away. We've allowed the world in. We've allowed the enemy in. We've allowed the spirits, the demonic spirits in. It's time to turn up the heat and drive them out. It's time to humble ourselves and repent. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Messiah Yeshua, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. He is our example. And he's not asking us to do anything he didn't do. He showed us how to do it. Go back with me to John chapter 14, starting verse 28. And even though he is speaking to the disciples at that exact moment, he is, by implication, speaking to us. Because we're all born from the book of Acts church. We're all born from the disciples. Lord says, you've heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer touch, talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. But it says, I will not speak with you much longer for the ruler of the world, Satan, The adversary is coming, and he has no claim on me, no power over me, nor anything that he can use against me. The ruler of this world, the prince of this world, the god of this age, he had nothing on the Lord. There were no openings. There was no access. So how does he get to us? How does he get past the walls? How does he get past the security? We open the door. We let him in. We give him ground. John twelve thirty one. Now the judgment of this world. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. I, I, I just wonder what will it take What will it take? What will it take to stop us from getting muddied and dirtied by the world? I know it's not easy. I know how difficult it is. And it doesn't get any easier the longer you do this. Matter of fact, the enemy watches you more. He knows our buttons. He knows the strings to pull. And he waits. He waits until you're a little tired. 
You're a little beat up. You've disappointed. Something didn't happen that you wanted to happen. Something triggered some programming, some old ways that are still not healed. He goes in and presses the button. And we react. That's why the whole fruit of the flesh, fruit of the spirit teaching was so important. You're not going to be victorious. You're not going to live the life you want to live in the days ahead unless you have taken the fruit of the flesh and destroyed it and replaced it with the fruit of the Spirit so that you can now walk in victory. You can now overcome the world. You can now be used by Him to fulfill the Great Commission because that's all He asked us to do. He didn't ask us to build buildings. He didn't ask us to create programs. He didn't ask us to do anything but get people saved, healed, and delivered. Ephesians 2, starting verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. And once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. See, it shouldn't be so easy to fool us It shouldn't be so easy to trick us into going back and imitating the world. We know how bad it was. We know the horror of it, the loneliness of it, the emptiness of it. And yet we do. I don't get it. Do you? Oh, I I get it in the fact that there are areas of our life we haven't given up. There are areas we've not allowed to be healed or delivered. There's things we want, the Ishmaels of our life. We don't want to wait for the perfect will, the Isaac. So we open doors. but we've got to be a living gospel. We've got to be walking in it. That's that's really what tonight's about, to get you to understand these things so that you can walk it out. People are afraid right now. They have no hope. They have no hope in the world. They have no hope in a fallen world system. They have no hope in politics, which they shouldn't. It's all a scam. They have no hope in politicians. Poly, many, ticks, blood-sucking parasites. Our only hopes in the Lord. But we've got to tell others. We've got to speak. We've got to take the gospel out there. Tell the good news. But we've been warned. If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. Just tell the truth. 
You don't have to have scripture memorized. You don't have to have seven points in a closing. It's never been my thing. I've just allowed the Spirit to speak, to do what He wants to do at that moment, to give me revelation, knowledge, to give me insight, something to share that only He would know that would get the attention of that individual. But those that refuse to hear the gospel have sold themselves out to Satan. They like the darkness and the hardness of their heart. We can see it on television. We can see it in the world. We see it in the news. They mock us. That's okay. It's not going to stop me. It doesn't bother him. Remember one time I got really upset with something that was said about him. And I was going to defend him. Very clearly heard him say, I can defend myself if I need to. Their words don't bother me. Don't let them bother you. It's just a distraction. So we must submit ourselves to God. That's where it starts. We have to give up our selfish pride. We have to submit to the Lord by putting what we want to decide for what he wants. We take a stand. We put on the whole armor of God. We grab the shield of faith. We immerse ourselves in God's word so that we can wield it as a sword. And we must resist all the darts, all the things the enemy throws at us. And when we do all that, the enemy has no choice but to back off, but to flee. And then when we come together, side by side, back to back, taking on all comers, I can tell you from personal experience, the enemy will run. They'll, they'll, they'll want to come back, but they'll run. They don't like to lose. They know how powerful we are when we join together. They know how powerful a person is that's filled with the Holy Spirit, that has the authority and the power of his name on their tongue. But right now, the body of the church at large we need to lament. We need to mourn. We need to weep. If not for ourselves, for our brothers and sisters who are fallen. You know, when somebody falls into sin, we shouldn't celebrate. We shouldn't have an I told you so attitude. We shouldn't have a haughty spirit. It should break our hearts. And we should intercede for them. To repent. There's nothing to laugh about. There's no joy when our brothers and sisters are falling, when they're getting tricked, when they're being deceived, when marriages are being broken. There's no joy. At least not for me. I take this seriously. 2 Corinthians 7.10, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces 
death. I see a lot of fellowships, collections of believers singing, dancing, celebrating. They're excited about the return of the Lord, but forgetting we had a tremendous job to do before he comes back. I'm sorry if this sounds serious. For the last couple of days, as I've spent time with the Lord, it has felt serious. As I've watched what the enemy is doing, with little to no response, it's felt serious. I'm saddened, I'm angered, I'm frustrated. I'm broken hearted. There's no there's nothing to laugh at right now. The only joy I have is in the Lord. The only joy I have is in him coming back. Until then we've got a job to do. We got to tell people, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. You know, I do a lot of work here, and I'm not telling you this because I want your accolades. I don't. But I'm doing a lot of work for you. I'm giving you the scriptures. All you have to do is download the teaching, copy them down. Oh, that's a good one. I need to share that with my cousin. Or I need to share that with my uncle. The person at work needs to hear this. It will encourage them. Take advantage of all this work. Sharpen your sword. Let's go to war. Let's set the captives free. Let's heal the sick. But this, I read this statement and I felt led to share it. We can't just manage our sin. We must repent of our sin and seek restoration. Oh, you're just okay as you are. God loves you just like you are. You don't have to change. What a lie from the pit of hell that is. Not true. He does love you with an undying love, and nothing can separate you from that love. But you still need to repent. You still need to wash your hands, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. You still need to take a stand. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. That's what it's about. We're going to stand. We're going to dig our heels in. We're going to stand together. We're going to tell the truth in love. We're going to destroy the work of the enemy. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 1 John 3.8, 
But when people keep on sinning, it's sinning. It shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why we're here. To go to that person that has separated themselves from God. Whether through disobedience or indifference, rebellion, whatever the enemy has tricked them into doing, just like he did me. And tell them the truth. That the Son of God appeared to set them free and to destroy the chains and to open the doors. Power over the enemy, listen to me, power over the enemy comes from what the Lord has done, comes from the spirit that he has put inside of us. We overcome from the inside out. Remember, it was last year, they had a whole series on the inside out nature of our walk. That's what this is about. From the inside out, we overcome ourselves. We overcome our patterns. We overcome what's been done to us and what we've done. We got to stop blaming our parents. Oh, my father did this. My mother did that. It's ancestral. I have bondage. Stop already. If you're born again and you're still talking about the luggage you're carrying, we have a problem. Stop carrying around the rocks of everything that's ever been done from you. Well, let me show you this one rock here. This happened when I was 12. This is what was done to me. Stop. Throw them away. Get rid of them. Put them under the blood and don't carry them anymore. You don't have time for it. You don't have the strength to carry your baggage and try to help somebody else carry theirs. We are overcomers. Through him who loved us. That's what we're doing. At least. That's what I thought we were doing. I think that's why you're here. That's why I'm here. That's why I do this every week. As much as this is for you. It's for me. I get to hear it out loud. I get to study it. I get to be reminded of it. Be empowered by it. What is it going to take? What is it going to take for us to live the life of an overcomer? To live the life that the Lord wanted for us. That he gave to us. That he redeemed us for. He redeemed us from the old life, the old ways the sickness, the illness, the darkness, the depravity. It made us new creations in him, cleansed by the blood, set free, just so that we could keep doing the same things over and over, keep making the same mistakes, falling for the same sleight of hand, the same dumb things the enemy does. Aren't you frustrated by that? I know I am. I know I am tired of repenting for the same thing. Wondering what is the deal. 
Lord, I don't know what else to say. You've given us power over the enemy. You've given us all authority in heaven and earth. You've delegated to us the very power to use your name. To tear down strongholds. To destroy the enemy. Destroy their works. To set the captives free. You, the one who spoke everything into existence. The one who holds everything together by your very nature. You've given us that power to do what must be done. So for myself and all my brothers and sisters that are listening, if they agree with me, I pray you search us like an antivirus. Is there any malware in us? Is there any programming that's corrupted that needs to be removed? Has the enemy got a virus in there or snuck something in when we clicked on the enemy's bait? Search us, Holy Spirit. Search us right now. Show us. Bring your presence into our homes, into our rooms, into our vehicles, wherever we are right now. Envelop us and cleanse us. Set us free of all the things that hinder us, that keep us from being what you want us, what you need us to be. Renew us. Give us that excitement again. Give us that fire that we once had, that we've allowed to not go out, but it's not as hot as it once was. Lord, right now in the Spirit, I'd say take all the things of this world that we've accumulated in our heart and our mind and throw it in the fire. Let's have a spiritual bonfire. All the false teachings, all the assumptions, all the things that we've accepted that were not of you in the flame. There you go. All the habits that are no good that we still continue. Nope, in the flame. There you go. All the things we brought with us from the world. Ooh. Throw those in. Let them, let them get consumed. Anything of the enemy in our life, destroy it by the purifying fire of your Holy Spirit. Now fill us. Fill us with your gifts. Fill us with your fruit. Fill us with the power. Fill us with the love. Fill us with everything that we need to go do what you need us to do so that we can glorify you. And set the captives free. And I pray all these things. In Yeshua's name. If you agree with me, just say amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai, may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. Give you Shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.